Coming up on today's episode, it's dream time. In the first of a two-part series, we unveil our dream Jets offseason, beginning with my take on which path the club should go. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right to it here. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you had a great long weekend if you're American or celebrating American holidays like I am. Celebrating as in I get American long weekends off. So whether you're working or enjoying a good time, Hope you guys are jacked and ready for some hockey talk. And most importantly, maybe the most exciting part of offseason talk, where we all get to put on our GM hats and take reins and make the decisions for the big club. And we'll get to all that. Plenty of moves. I know Tyson's got plenty of moves up his sleeves. That's why we had to push him to the end of the week. But I'll get into my uh, decision-making prowess in a couple of minutes on the episode here. But before we do that, should welcome in, welcome back, co-host CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, how are we doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Memorial Day, big, big celebrator of that always. I, I love every long weekend from every country. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should start just celebrating every country's federal holidays. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, th- I think Swahili had one has one coming up, so maybe... Oh, interesting. Maybe like Turkish independence, whatever it is. Like we got to, we got (laughs) to pick it up here. It's a busy summer coming up. And Tyson's got a new haircut too, by the way. You can't, now I don't even know how many people know what you look like, but Tyson's always been, Tyson's been one with the flow. Like a Jedi is one with the force. You've always, like, you've always had, you have good flow. Like, and it's long. Like my, my flow is like, I, I have thick hair, but I can't grow it out. But I have it like well groomed. But you like always, an afro. yeah, like you, yeah, it's pretty afroish. But like you can actually like grow out the flow. But you, this is almost buzz cut territory. What gives? <laughs> yeah, hey, it's summer. Like it's too much to maintain in the summer. And just like especially when I walked out of getting a haircut, I was like, oh, like I hadn't felt the wind on my ears in so long. It was like it was a revival. I don't know, I'm all ready for summer now. For those that can't tell, uh, and I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast have seen this movie as they should have, but Tyson looks like, he looks like handsome, skinny Farva from Super Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> like you just, I don't know why, but you look like a state trooper. Like, like I, you, you tell me that I was going too fast on I-95. I, I need a liter of cola ASAP. Oh, I had a liter of ginger ale last night, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Diet blackberry ginger ale might be the truth when it comes to, to soft drinks. So that it says limited time offer, so get on that. But Diet Blackberry Ginger. Diet Blackberry Ginger Ale. Um, but yeah, liter of cola. Liter of cola. You mean shenanigans? You guys are talking about shenanigans, right? <laughs> that, that's um, one of the best cult classic movies of all time. It makes me. I, you're right. It makes me mad that it's called a cult classic because it should just be a classic. Like it's it's unbelievable. So, and I know you and me are both big Hot Rod fans. Um, oh, like those yeah. shouldn't be cult classics. They should have just been classics the second they got released. 
Um, so we got a, a busy episode here. We'll get into it because I'm going to unveil my dream offseason, what I would do if I was in charge of the Winnipeg Jets. Plenty of moves. Plenty of moves. So many moves to get into here. Uh, but we'll continue our tradition of starting off the episode with trivia. And I believe it's my turn after I dominated trivia last episode. <laughs> um, so in honor of us doing our dream off-seasons and putting on our GM hats, I thought I would make this a Kevin off activity-themed trivia question scenario here. Oh boy, here we I'm go. going to say off-season, but they're not all off-season. But it's all Chevy making moves, trade signings, whatever it might be. This is a this isn't Cheval Day off. This is Cheval Day on. If you know what I mean. Are you Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. How confident are you? I I think I'm I'm actually pretty confident in this one. I think I'll do good. All and right. I'll well, let's start. Well, I I got two two free agent ones. So we'll start off with just the trade one here. Because well, I'll give you three questions quickly. So we'll do the trade one first, and then we'll see how you do free agency-wise. But Chevy, for many years of his tenure as Jets GM, was lambasted by his inability to make a player-for-player trade at the NHL level. When he finally did, it was a beauty. In the trade that sent Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian over to the Buffalo Sabres. Can you, Tyson... Name the five pieces that came back to the Jets in the Kane Bogosian trade from Buffalo. So it was Drew Stafford. Yes. Joel Armia. Yes. Tyler Myers. Yes. Oh, this is where it gets tough. Was it? Is, are they all players? One. Well, one was a a, a pick that became a player. Right. So I'll, we'll we'll see where you want to go with that one. Was that Dano? That is incorrect. Oh no, it wouldn't be Dano. Um, jeez, because that would have been a later pick. That wasn't like Buffalo's pick, right? It, it yeah, it was a late first round pick. Oh man, so that would have been was that that would have been the twenty sixteen draft? Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh man. Jansen Harkins? Ah, oh, Tyson. Harkins was a second. It was Jack Roslevic. Oh, right. The right. pick that would become Jack Roslevic, I should say. Right. And there's and one, one more piece. Do you, want to, do you want to give a guess at the, the other piece in the trade? Was it a goalie? I remember the Jets gave up Kasdorf in that going yeah, back. Yeah, nice. There you go. That's a good That's a good callback. They did give up Kasdorf, but they got a forward back. I, I don't know. I'm blanking. Brendan Lemieux. Oh, man. <laughs> I forgot yeah. that he even played for Buffalo. Not not for very long. If he even <laughs> did it at all, to be honest. He might not. He might actually never play for Buffalo. But, yeah, that was the – yeah. So, that, yeah, I, I, I thought Lemieux would trip you up. Um, but, yeah, the first-round pick did eventually become Jack Rossovic. But Lemieux is the forgotten piece of the trade there. Uh, that, that was – that was awesome. We we went off air immediately after the trade happened, and we it was like collective holy shh in the studio <laughs> once that took place. And we were like, yes, we have two months worth of shows coming up. So that was good. Uh, so that was the trade one. Let's move over to free agency. 
And we'll start with a quick one, Tyson. And I'll be surprised if you get this. This is really hard. But do you know who Kevin Cheveldayoff's first UFA signing was as GM of the Winnipeg Jets? Holy. Um, was it Rick Rippon? No, no. It was now according to Cab Friendly, I sh- I should say. Um, but it Wait, was Kyle Elwood. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> what a that? What a great signing though for your first one. That's a pretty well. He's a, yeah. He hit out of the park. <laughs> was that was that like before the draft then, or before, the, or was that just it like said, right it, when says sep- it says September 9th, twenty eleven. Oh, interesting. Did they did they actually not sign anyone the? No, not according to Cap Friendly, no. And then Wellwood actually went on to have a pretty he had 47 points in 77 games that first year. So did I mean for a guy making 700 k that's as good as he gets. Did he not lead the, the Jets in points one season too? He would have been close, but I don't think he did that first season. Um either way, one more question here. And this is a three-parter. Can you name the three most expensive UFAs? that Chevy has signed as GM of the Jets. And we're going by annual cap hit. Ole Jokinen's got to be up there. He's number one. Yeah, five mil, right? 4.5. Oh. Steve Mason? Yes. Oh, that was a, that was a hefty contract too, Casel. Mason? I'll give you a hint. It was the same... Day is Steve Mason. Oh, on was it a D man? Oh, cool, Dmitry Kulikov. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> three for three. I mean, there's not too many to pick from there, but I was I was wondering if you'd remember the Mason Kulikov spree. What a what an odd <laughs> summer that was, where there was so much hype going into the year, and um, neither of those guys really did much. <laughs> I mean, Kulikov a lot more than Mason, obviously. But that was uh, more, I mean, hey, maybe Steve Mason signing with the Jets was what motivated Connor Hellebuck to be ready to go that year. So it all it all worked out in the end. Uh, but I, I, I remember, I'm, I was a big Steve Mason fan. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be the guy for the Jets. And then they decided to not show up the first two games. He gets pulled in both and then it's Helly show the rest of the way. Uh, I've always felt that Steve Mason's had one weird career. Like he's had one of the weirdest careers I think of any goalie ever. Hey, yeah, there's some bonkers ones, but to go from rookie of the year to washout to Flyers goaltending savior, which is a whole nother level, to big free agent signing to out of the NHL in a year and a half. Yeah, why? Like, yeah, it really is wild. Thankfully, I don't think the Jets are going to be... Well, maybe I shouldn't say that, Tyson. I was going to say, shouldn't be dipping into the goalie free agent pool that much this offseason. But uh, if you've heard some stuff and some smoke out there, maybe the Jets will be doing that. Um, Will I be doing that? Let's find out here. And let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. I'm going to unveil what I would do if I was the Winnipeg Jets general manager this offseason. And I'm trying to keep it semi-realistic, too. I'm not, you know, by dream offseason, shipping out Logan Stanley for Quinton Byfield, as, as glorious as that trade would be. We're, we're going to try to... Trade. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Tyson's just crossing everything out as I say it. Um, but I'll, I'll try to keep some semblance of, of realism here. Although I do want to get your take on, on one specific thing, which we'll get to and I'll explain a little bit here. But Tyson, as I said, we'll get to his later on in the week. I think Tyson is leaning, not to totally spoil it, but Tyson's leaning towards a bit of a youth movement as opposed to being competitive this year. Um, I am not because I'm, I am doing the dreaded retool on the fly. And let me tell you this, Tyson, I can understand why it's so intoxicating for GMs because that means you get to make moves and you get to keep your job on top of it. Cause not too many GMs get to decide they go into a rebuild and then keep their job throughout the entire rebuild. So I, I understand why GMs do go that route. Um, so I'm going to try, and I think there is a solution here for the Jets to remain competitive, but change the mix and the complexion of this team. And there is a way to do that, and I'm going to explain how they do that here. The one thing I will say, though, Tyson, and we talked about this a little bit before we got started, and this became very evident as I tried to pull off this exercise. Chevy is borderline screwed right now. <laughs> as in... There is a lot to do. Like a lot, a lot to do. This is not your normal busy offseason. This puts hectic offseasons to shame. If you like, if you really want to change this team, there's so much that needs to get done. And I I really wonder if the one of the follow-outs from that is portions of this roster slash prospect pool go completely unnoticed slash ignored because there's just not enough time to do everything because i didn't have time to do it i haven't even dealt with hanel and stanley yet because i have so many other moves to get to and we have to record this episode at some point but like and, and hey this is this is no one's fault but chevy's like he's put himself in this position but i don't know how far you've gone into your pathway and everything like that but he oh boy oh boy the jets have a lot to do and i don't know if they're going to be able to do everything yeah i, I i've been playing a little bit of nhl lately that's like the okay well, perfect <laughs> that's that's the little, that's the scouting report right there but it, it is crazy like if you if you listen to what's been putting being put out there right now by some of the insiders you really do wonder like how how deep does this potentially go because it could potentially go it could be a, it could be franchise altering. Like that's how many pieces could be potentially be moved out if things go a certain way. Oh, that's I don't think could. I think this is like this is monumental. Yeah. However, this all plays out here, positive or negative. The other thing I'll say to you before I finally get into my thing here, Tyson, I'm not totally on board for this. But after trying to retool the team and things like that. I I can be sold on trading Connor Hellebuck. There's wow. just just because in terms of value and things like that, and teams that might be desperate, I you can talk me into it. I'm not as steadfast against it as I may have been earlier this offseason. We'll see what the potential packages are going out there that might be rumored. Because if you if you're listening to certain, I mean Frank Cervelli again said he thinks Hellebuck's getting moved this offseason. Just something to keep in mind that eh, may, maybe maybe the Jets might be able to get some significant value for him. I, I think um, having said that as well, Chris Johnson also said the Jets, even though I'll paraphrase, 
that the Jets don't know what the Jets are doing right now, which is an absolutely terrifying thought after I went through this. <laughs> yeah, I think pe- uh, people sometimes worry about not getting the proper return on a goaltender when you're making the trade. I think with Connor Halibut, that doesn't matter. I, I, I just don't think we've seen a goalie at this level with this much term that he's going to have left. I think that teams are going to give up some serious premium assets to try and secure a top three guaranteed goalie in the league. And a lot of teams are probably viewing him as the guy that pushes them towards a championship title. So I, I honestly think that I think they might be able to get a lot more than people think they'd be right. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, the avalanche gave up, what was it? A first and a, and it was a lower prospect, but a first and something for Darcy Kemper who had one year left on his deal. That's, I mean, if that's the baseline, you're getting at least a first and a top pro. Like, so there is potential for a lot of value to be had there. But without further ado, let's get into it here, Tyson. How I think my dream offseason would go if I was Winnipeg Jets GM. And the first thing I would do is figure out the Connor Hellebuck situation. And you know how I do that, Tyson? How? I wait. (laughs) (laughs) I do nothing. Because I don't, in my scenario, I'm meeting with Connor Hellebuck and telling him, Helly, this is not a rebuild here. We are going to be competitive again next season. But that will involve the departures of three high-profile players on this team. There may be a little bit of pushback on how competitive we're going to be for my star netminder. I'm like, hey, hey, I, I got this taken care of. But I can understand if you want to see before you put pen to paper. So I'm, I'm going to wait on Connor Hillebug right now in terms of bringing realism into this with the knowledge that I'm going to be able to sign this guy to a long-term deal by the time the season's underway. I, I think, I, and I think this is how it probably plays out, Tyson. I, like I, I still have my doubts that a Hillebug trade is going to happen, but I don't think there's this massive rush to sign him right now if you're the Winnipeg Jets. I think he's the one guy that you can start the season with on your roster that you could still get a big haul at, at the deadline if things do go south that he doesn't want to stay. But I think there's a, I mean, there's a, a ton of options previously with teams and their star players, having them continue to play with one, with no years left on their contract after that. And they find a way to get an extension done. And to me, that's how I go and attack the Connor Hellebuck situation. So I'm not moving him, even though there are some tempting options out there, but I still believe that having, as much high-end talent as possible is the best way to go about building a contender. And my plan is to sign Hellebuck to a long-term deal. And I'll uh, I'll get to that at the end of the episode. But I'm going to wait right now. We're just going to wait and chill out, Connor. We, we got things figured out. But Chevy's got some biz. Daddy GM's got some business to take care of first. So let me get to that. And then we'll talk about six, seven, eight-year deals and all that. So now that we got that out of the way, not really. Um, <laughs> my number one job as GM of the Jets and we've heard this how many times before, but it is to change the culture of this hockey team. And the only way to change the culture is to move out the people, the players that helped build and foster that in the first place. And I think it's finally time that we move on from Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley specifically. And in terms of realism again, Tyson... I I don't know if there's a trade out there for Blake Wheeler. It would have to be 50% retained for sure for it to happen. I I just I don't know how many takers that are going to be there for that. I, I don't know if the Jets want to, you know, both retain salary and then add a sweetener on top of it for somebody to take Blake Wheeler at four and change. So my actual first move 
would be to buy out the former captain. And some people might say that's not the way he should go out. That's not doing right by a play. I think it's the exact opposite of that. I think it's the best way to send out Blake Wheeler because you then give him essentially, not essentially, you give him the choice to choose whichever team he wants to sign with. You want to make a little more money on another contract? Go ahead, sign with somebody that's a little bit lower in the standings. You want to chase a cup with only a year left, two years left maybe? Sign with whoever you want for $1 million, right? It, it gives Wheeler all the options in the world, and it gives the Jets an opportunity before the bio becomes official, press conference, whatever it is. You send off the former captain in style. You tell everybody that we're going to have some kind of retirement ceremony once he's all done, and he's going to be a member of the Jets Hall of Fame, all that stuff. But to me, the buyout makes the most sense. You get a ton of cap relief for this upcoming season. I believe $6 million in, in cap relief. Um, the, the cap charge is, two in, I think, $2.2 million for this season and next. 2.2 next season isn't all that bad. I, th- I think, you know, having to, to trying to find a way to fit in more money this year, yeah, that gives you a little more wiggle room and you've got some time to figure things out for next year. And with some of the moves that I make, cap space will be a little bit more open um, in, in, in the next year. So I buy out Blake Wheeler first, gives the Jets a little bit more flexibility. Then comes the big one. Really the big oh, two. I mean, I oh, said Mark Tracy gets traded. Um, it's kind of a package deal, though, because the other big member of the core four, obviously, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think this has been kind of written in the stars for quite some time. We, we, all, know, we all know how this is going to play out. He doesn't want to sign here long term. The Winnipeg Jets cannot afford to have him as an unsigned RFA once the NHL draft and NHL free agency gets underway because of the threat of an offer sheet, one that this player is clearly willing to sign with a number of different teams. You cannot afford to lose PLD for absolutely nothing here. So then it becomes the trade of Shifley Dubois. And how do the Winnipeg Jets go about doing that, but also finding a way to stay competitive? Now, for me, and you might, I mean, feel free to chime in on this, Tyson. I feel like Dubois and Shifley value-wise are essentially the same. You feel like that's fair? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say relatively. I, I honestly think Shifley might have a tiny bit more value across the league. So, but I mean, yeah, I, 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 that's fair. I, I think it's close either way. So feel free to, like, you know, swap... Shifley or Dubois in these trade scenarios. To me, they're kind of interchangeable. But the two teams that I have these guys going to, and I'll get to the LA situation in just a sec because I want to know your take on this. I don't I don't know if LA is going to happen unless one or two other things happen. So unfortunately, we're not getting Quinton Byfield just yet. But in terms of maybe realistic opportunities, I have... Mark Shifley going to the Calgary Flames and a one-for-one swap with Elias Lindholm coming back to Winnipeg. Oh, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Is there risk involved? Oh, yeah. But a wise man once said, scared money don't make no money. And we got to take risks because we're here in Winnipeg, and this is a risk that I am willing to take. Sure, Lindholm has one year left on his deal. But my hope is that with the new team here, 
gets a chance to fall in love with the city just like Nino Niederreiter has, that we can find a way to keep Lindholm in the fold. But this Tyson, more so than anything, finds a way to change the culture of this team, the core of this team. And we go from a centerman who could put the puck in the net like very few in the league can, but also defended as poorly as few in the league can, to a guy that legitimately could be labeled the best defensive forward in all of hockey. And oh, by the way, he can also put up nearly a point a game per offense. What do you think about, we'll say Shifley for Lindholm, the trade is one for one. I love it. I love it. I love Elias Lindholm. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. And he, I, he, I honestly think that there's a good chance that he could end up falling in love with Winnipeg. Like those Swedish guys, like the Nordic guys, it seems like they have a, it seems like they have a better liking to this city than, than maybe some of the other American Canadian players. But man, I, and you, you mentioned Nino, like they would have played together in Carolina for a little bit. So maybe they're you know, best maybe, friends. I heard. Yeah. yeah that, apparently he's, that's his running <laughs> mate for premier. Yeah, here we go. But yeah, like Lindholm, I think he's so underrated. He brings such a, it's such a different aspect from Mark Shifley too. And I think that's like what you mentioned in trying to change the culture is that they're they're similar, they're similar value wise, but they really do play a different style of play, both of them. And I think that that could be that could be one of the big moves there that helps kickstart your your culture that you're trying to build. It's exactly what I'm trying to do, Tyson. And I think Elias Lindholm is the guy to get that done. I mean, you want to not 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 quite Patrice Bergeron, but to have to have your number one center also be your best defensive player and your hardest worker. I I think that goes a long way. And I I'm willing to take the risk. And look, if things go south, the Jets can get a damn good haul for Lindholm at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so there there's options at least for them. But to me. I want to try to be competitive still because I'm going to find a way to bring Hellebuck back. We've got some good pieces here. And I think that, especially with Lindholm's uncertain future in Calgary, let's uh, let's do it. Let's let's make a big, big time move there. Maybe Craig Conroy's looking to make a big splash as Flames GM as well. And maybe he sees Shifley's talent and thinks that's just too much for him to pass up. That may then takes us, Tyson, to Mr. PLD. And I tell you, I did want to send him to Arizona. And I was very close to doing that. There was a trade that we had in, in place to send to Arizona. Just as punishment for, for everything that he's done. I'm, I'm kidding, a little bit. Um, but we'll talk about Arizona in just a sec. But the other team, Calgary is one. LA is another. I don't know if Carolina is a fit. Like, I don't, I don't, I think the knee cash train has, has come and gone. Yeah. I don't know, just just in terms of the group, the players that would be available if Carolina is going to be that. Maybe New Jersey. But to me, a team that's always made sense for the Jets. And they will be emboldened to make big moves as well after their early postseason exit. Would be the Toronto... No, I'm kidding. The New York Rangers. And for me, again, I'm looking strictly for just high-end talent in these trades do we have a guy can we get somebody back that can be a number one up front a number one on the back end well i'm not totally buying into the alexis lafreniere revival hype so i'm looking for a number one on the back end and i'm shipping pld out to the rangers tice for former week king blue liner Braden Schneider and a first round pick. I like it. What do we think about that trade? 
I, I I really like it. I think Braden Schneider honestly reminds me a lot of Jacob Truba. I feel like, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think I think like he is that next Truba mold, and I think that he would just be a perfect fit here. And you mentioned the weekend connection already, and then yeah. plus, like with that. So uh, I mean, this is really getting into semantics a little bit. But with that, the, do the Rangers not have their first round pick this year? They shockingly have their first round pick this year. <laughs> oh, okay, but so <laughs> I what, looked it up. Be, don't worry. <laughs> that's going to be like 22, 23? somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Hey, like, and especially in this deep of a draft class, too, you're going to get a solid player. And we, like we've seen with the 2015 draft, too, there's going to be guys that fall. Like when, yeah, whatever, Tyson, I'll, I'll just, I'll just stop you there. You don't, you don't need to talk about draft picks. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in just a sec. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, we don't need to talk about drafty guys right away. I'll just, I'll just cut you off right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make you waste your breath. Yeah, according to Cap Friendly, it is the Rangers. Again, somehow it's their first round pick that I, I'm I'm as shocked as you are. But I, I like the move and I, I think it's a trade too that you know he hasn't quite been able to get enough ice time with the Rangers. They've got a really, really good decor there in New York. But you're looking for somebody that you know could blossom into a high-end guy. And there's not a lot of as there should be, not a lot of right-hand defensemen available in trades, high-end ones, good ones at least. And I don't know, the guy can skate like the wind. He's had some really impressive performances in the playoffs. He's pretty damn young, too. Like, I mean, there's there'd be a lot of growing as well in, in, in a positive direction with Braden Schneider, who's only 21 years old, Tice. I, I think the opportunity to get him would be too much to pass up. And if you're the Rangers, you know, I know you don't necessarily view him this way, but you're trading a third-pair defenseman for you. And a mid to late first round pick for a guy that you hope is a difference maker down the middle. And I, Hey, people say Dubois headed to Montreal and all that, that, that could be true. You're telling me that a 24 year old who maybe wants to play in Montreal wouldn't spend a season in New York and go, mm, you know what? Seven years wouldn't be too bad here either. So I, I, I think it's a, a trade that could work for both sides. I think either Dubois or Shafley make a lot of sense to go out there to New York. So put whoever you want, wherever. Um, but I, I, I like attacking the Rangers here to get a high-end piece on the back end, even though we have to give up a number one number one B center to do so. But we're able to get Braden Schneider out of New York and give him a starring role here in Winnipeg and then an opportunity to sign him to a long-term deal. And you have a guy cost-controlled for a number of years to come. So that takes away a hole on the back end, Tyson. But unfortunately, that leaves a pretty major one down the middle, even though we got Elias Lindholm back for Mark Shifley. Well, don't you worry, because we're going to fill that right away. Because we got a couple of firsts at our, at our disposal here. So we, we got too many draft picks to handle. Our scouting department doesn't want to make that many picks. We got to make some moves and get some guys to come in here. And I got one that's just really simple. And I think it's an easy trade. And I think it's one the Jets should have made this past season. But... We saw Arizona give up Jacob Chikrin for peanuts after years and years of holding him hostage for a massive trade package. I think we can get Nick Schmaltz out of Arizona and get him for very, very little. And that's the guy that I'm going to go after. Again, a young-ish center that's cost-controlled for a few more years. And I'm going to trade the highest first-round pick that we have, which would be the Winnipeg Jets' own. A first-round pick for Nick Schmaltz. 
What do we think about that one, Tyson? A guy that's 5.8 cap hit, but he's making more money than his cap hit on the ice there, which in Arizona is a major, major no-no. Yeah. No, I, I think Arizona takes that without a question. And I think it, that's I think that's just like one of those rare ones where you see it right away and you go, that's that makes sense. You know what it I mean? Like that, it's, it's so I agree with you 100 percent. And Nick Schmaltz also like he he's a good like he is a good hockey player and playing with one of Ehlers or Connor on his wing. Yeah, that, I, seen, I wonder if he's better than what we've seen out of him in Arizona so far, which is even pretty good in Arizona. Totally. And and there's even been reports that Clayton Keller might ask for a trade if Nick Schmaltz gets moved. And there's so like that just goes to show you how how he like how he can connect with very skilled players and young skilled players and he can he can help elevate their play to another level. And I think him with Ehlers would be I think playing with Ehlers would really elevate Ehlers level for like he could really take that next step and take that point per game range that he just quite hasn't gotten there, but due to injuries and whatnot. But yeah, I'm a big Nick Schmaltz fan. I like that trade. Yeah, I I think it's, I think it's a nice fit here and you're right. I mean, able to put up just under a point a game with Keller. I I think he can do the the exact same, if not maybe even a little more with Nikolai Ehlers riding shotgun with Nick Nick Schmaltz as well. Um, So those are the big moves that we have so far to get everything in under the wire there. We got a little bit of time as well to make a few periphery moves to shore up the rest of the roster here. So we figured things out up front, Tyson. Now it's time to dislog the jam that we've had on the back end for quite some time here in Winnipeg. And I don't know, for me, there's, I mean, there's three guys that are going to be candidates for this. I, I don't think Dylan DeMello is going to be one of those. I think, I just think at three mil being a right shot D man, that's just too good to give up. Even if he's got one year left on his deal. But to me, it's Brandon Dillon, Nate Schmidt, and then maybe to a lesser extent, Neil Pionk. But to me, those are the three guys that you could move to try to alleviate some of the logjam that you have on the blue line. And I think I think Nate Schmidt might be untradeable right now with the contract that he has, unless you're giving up a first-round pick or something like that. And I, I don't want to go down that route just yet. So to me, the easiest move, and the one that we'll do just to make things a little bit easy on the club right off the bat is to trade Brandon Dillon. And I'm going to say, I don't even know what team he goes to. There's a handful of teams that could still use a guy like that. One year left on his deal. I think a third round pick coming back is fair to get for Brandon Dillon. Maybe even a little bit more, maybe a late second from a team, but we'll just say a third round pick to make this as, as realistic as possible. So we'll trade Brandon Dillon for a third round pick. If I had more time, Tyson, I might try to work out some kind of a blockbuster Neil Pionk, Vili Hanela in a first-round pick trade for another D-man. But I, I'll, I'll even leave that one off and, and push that one aside. Uh, and we'll say Neil Pionk returns for another season, and so does Nate Schmidt. Um, you could even, in, under this example, say the Jets trade Stanley for a mid-round pick, and then Vili Hanela will say for an underperforming forward or defense. Essentially, another team's Vili Hanela. Right, so some more depth gets shifted around there, but ultimately nothing major happens with those pieces there, um, and that essentially creates the new look Winnipeg Jets right then and there. My final order of business, final orders of business, with Nino Niederreiter being the new favorite cat in town. Number two on that might be the guy that came in as well at the deadline. And I find a way to bring him back because I got I, there's there's good vibes about Vladimir Nemesnikov, and I, I think this might be a guy that you want to keep around for a little bit, 
And so I'm re-signing Vladdy. We've, we found a way to keep him in the fold, Tice. And we're going to give Nemesnikov a two-year, $2 million deal. Two years, $2 million per season, which is similar to the last couple of contracts that he signed. I think that is enough to keep him here in Winnipeg. And that kind of adds a Swiss Army knife to the middle six for the Jets. In my lineup, it puts him on the third line, which I think is a perfect spot for him. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking to push Nemesnikov out the door. I think he's going to come back. And we find a way to get that done on a two-year deal. And on top of that, Tyson, we figured out the forward core. The blue line is all set. Now it's time to figure things out in net. And by doing so, Connor Hellebuck takes a look at the moves that I made. And he says, oh, hell yeah, I'm signing. I'm not going <laughs> anywhere, baby. And I'm able to lock down Helly. And it's a, it's a big one. And it's going to be difficult to build a team after that. Um but I find a way to get Helly signed to a six-year, $10 million per season contract extension. And we get Hellebuck to sign the deal and retire as a full-time Winnipeg Jet and 37 heads to the Raptors in about 10 years or so time. And that leaves one more goalie to sign because Dave Riddich is also a UFA Tyson. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately, big save Dave is uh, not making a return appearance in the peg. But who I do have making a return appearance. And there is some pretty intriguing backup goalie options this offseason. But he looks so good taking down the Jets. Why don't we bring him back and make sure he doesn't do that oh, next wow. year? Hellebuck Brassois is back, baby. They're back. <laughs> and LB backs up Carter Hellebuck this season on a one-year prove-it deal as he's unable to find room in a crowded Vegas Golden Knights crease. And we get a little more stability behind Hellebuck, which also we're finally able to ensure that Hellebuck doesn't play 60-plus games this year. We find a much more even 55, we'll say 52-30 split between Hellebuck and Bressois there. How do we like the the final, the the, the Nemesnikov, the Bressois, the Dylan trade, all that? Well, first to start off with Nemesnikov, I mean, like, there's a reason Tampa's brought him back, like, five times now at this point, right? Like, <laughs> he does, he's... Whatever he's got, the boys love it. So, bringing back Vladdy, you're right. It just brings good vibes. And Brassois, I mean, like him and Helly were close too. Hey, like they're they're tight. Yeah. So why not? Like, why it's, not it's a, at, the, at the least, it's an improvement over Riddich. Yeah. So, hundred percent. And and I like. I mean, there are some injury concerns with Brassois, but I've liked what I've seen from Arvid home. I've liked what I've seen from Oscar Salmon in the minors. I don't think. I think that if he was forced to miss a couple weeks at some point in the season. I think those guys could fill in adequately. Yeah. I, but I, I think Brassois gets hurt when he has to play, you know, six, seven, eight right. games in a row. Right. I, I think that's when some of the stuff pops up, but if he's playing spot duty, we're, we're going to be just fine here. So this leaves, here's the roster I have then Tyson. And by the way, in doing all of this, we still have well, we you know we dropped a few spots in the first round. We traded the Winnipeg Jets first round pick, but we got the pick back from the Rangers there. So we still had a first round pick in all of this. There was even more room to dangle with, but I do understand there potentially not being enough time to make all of these moves. But maybe during the season, maybe at the deadline, we get another blockbuster to add more talent on the back end. But here's my roster: the Winnipeg Jets under my construction look like this next year. Elias Lindholm, centering Nino Niederreiter and Kyle Connor. No defensive worries for Kyle Connor there. Followed by Nick Schmaltz, Nick Ehlers, and Cole Perfetti. Adam Lowry, Morgan Barron, Vlad Nemesnikov, 
And then David Gustafson with Mason Appleton, Kevin Stenlin, and Jansen Harkins rounding out the forward core there. On the blue line, Morrissey DeMello back once again. I'll do Sandberg and Schneider as Ooh, the second pair of the future. I like the stylistic fit between the two of them there. So I'll put those two young cats together. And this is also part of my edict as GM moving forward is that Ty goes to the prospects. It's no longer Ty goes to the vets. Ty goes to the prospects here. We got to give them some room to some room to grow and develop. So I'm going Sandberg Schneider, which gives me a damn good third pair in Schmidt Pionk. Probably, I mean, realistically, you could just play those the, the the second and the third pair even minutes. You don't even have to label them anything. Yeah. But and then I have Declan Chisholm as the as the seventh defenseman, moving Stanley and Hanel out to ensure that Chisholm doesn't need to go on waivers and we get a Johnny Kovacevic 2.0 situation happening there. I think that's a fair compromise for Chisholm. He makes the NHL roster, makes NHL money, and then gets some spot duty in terms of injuries and maybe load management and things like that. Maybe finds a way to get into about 15 games in the upcoming season. And then Hellebuck and Brassois in net there. How competitive do you think that roster is, Tyson? I think it's pretty competitive. I, are, I we, think... are we talking? Are the is that bet? Is that a better team than what we saw on the ice this year in Winnipeg? I think so. I mean, with that many moves, you got to expect some some getting used to each other, right? In the early beginnings of the season, but I mean, like even like with a team like Florida, you see how you can just gel as the season goes along, and once you get cooking at the end, then anything can happen. And with a goalie like Hellebuck too, like that's that's where as as long as your team has the pieces. Hellebuck can get you pretty far in the season. And then once those pieces start to gel a little bit together, I think you could really you could really start to contend for one of those two or three spots in the in the central division. And I, I think they're a better defensive team too. And I think that will allow Hellebuck's workload to be a little less. And I think that the, I, I just think that the way that, I'm a big fan of your roster, to be honest. And now I, I got think it's damn good, man. Like I I don't know if I I mean We'll see what the Avalanche do. I don't know if I would put it up against Colorado. But that, to me, is the second best team in the Central Division. Yeah. That's that's a good spot to be in. Like, that's that's not a, let's just hope we get in roster, right? Like, that's a, if Schneider takes a leap, we got a Norris caliber player on the back end. We've got a bunch of high-end talent in the top six. One of the top three goaltenders on the planet. That, that gives you a shot. That gives you a shot, and it at least makes things competitive, but it completely changes the dynamic and the complexion of this team. And I agree, Tyson. I think I think it becomes a team. It becomes a team instead of a group of individuals. And that, that to me, is maybe the most exciting part of it. I think that's a group that Jets fans could get behind. So I hope I gave, I hope I gave you some pause that it's at least possible that the Jets could pull this off and, and look good and look different as opposed to just blowing the whole thing up, which is the, the coward's way out of this? Uh, well, the, the, you're not the GM, though. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. That's a fair point. So I'm, yeah, yours is pretty positive and and uh, made this team a contender next year. I think my team will be a contender from 2027 <laughs> to 2067. <laughs> and we're not one, not two. Not three, not four, not five, not six. Multi- they're going to be Keep a time Stanley Cup champion. Like that, but yeah. In all seriousness, I I am going for 
Oh, I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go complete rebuild, but it's going to be leading towards more of a rebuild on the retool rebuild scale. You know what I mean? Like not. I, right I, I was way looking forward to yours more so than mine. Because you, you, I, I don't even know what you're doing yet. I don't want to know, but I know it's going to be absolute madness. Because last year you had like 15 trades happening. So if, yeah. if, if it's like a bit of a youth movement, I have no idea what you got up your sleeve. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even. I, I'm. I'm going to dive so deep into it too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe grab out some some tape. <laughs> Watch some prospects. I send love it. it. Send, send it over to Chevy. Yeah, we're we're sending both these episodes to the Winnipeg Jets front office. By the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> just to, just to, you know, you never know what could happen, right? I mean, we we've seen crazier stories. Who knows? Maybe senior advisor to the GM is, but uh, we'll see. Junior but let us advisor. Know. What? Junior advisor. Junior advisor. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that just feels like you're patronizing me though. Like like a good job, little boy. Sort of yeah. Give me senior. I I, I could do senior. Uh, but let us know what you think about that. Is that roster good enough? Would you be happy with that? Shafley, Lindholm swap, Schmaltz, Dubois, all that stuff. Let us know on Twitter what you think of that. If you would agree with the moves, make some different moves. Um, or maybe go towards Tyson's, right? Which we'll get into in the next episode. But would love to get your thoughts on that. Uh, at the very least, should give you a little bit of an idea as to one of the potential paths the club could go around. And um, yeah, I mean, if you had doubts before, I would say it is possible for this team to retool and not build themselves into an unwinnable corner this year. It is possible. Will they do this? Most likely not. Could they? Maybe. We'll have to find out, though. We're getting pretty close. Now that Vegas, I'm assuming we're, I mean, there was the third period. I'm assuming they took care of business. Um, I mean, realistically, we're a couple of weeks away from this all starting for real. So let's get into it. Let's find out. Um, but that'll do it for the episode here. We'll cap it off there. And uh, we'll get ready for the finale at the end of this week. Dream offseason 2.0. Tyson Rowicki steps up to the plate and he's <laughs> swinging for the fences. This is not for contact. This is to go up and over and out of the ballpark here. So make sure you catch that one. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki with us once again. Like I said, we'll get back at it to close out the week Friday morning with Tyson's Dream Jets offseason. Until then, though, have a great rest of your week. Stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.